Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, is Hi, Em. Before we get into any of the episodes this week, I need to take a moment for Jason and Giselle making their official couple debut summer house premiere party. When that photo dropped, like I dropped. (laughs) There are some things that my brain can't compute and this is one of them, but I also am obsessed with it. What are the odds though that two of the women from Potomac ended up having fling slash relationships with two of the men from Summer House? It is such a specific crossover that we are so lucky to receive. There's just something different about a housewife to like a Summer House castmate than there is from like a Paige and a Craig. Because I feel like Southern Charm, Vanderpump and Summer House slash Winter House are all sort of like in the same realm. And then they're a horizontal jump, whereas up to a housewives is like a vertical jump. And it just, it's, it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. It's even like, I would put below deck in that similar category of a summer house, Southern Charm, right. But all of a sudden you throw housewives into the mix and it changes things up. It's like, I want to say to Giselle, who taught you about summer house? Right, right. Like you guys know each other, right? How did you? I I know how I know summer house and I know I watch it right before I watch you, but who taught you? Right. And by the way, I know Jason as Lindsay Hubbard's ex. Right. <laughs> How do you know Jason? Right. Yeah. It's so wild. I mean, honestly, I think we start with Summer House premiere. We've been waiting for it. How do you feel about that? I feel great. Okay. So we will do Summer House, Vanderpump, Miami, ending with Jersey. Let's get into it. Okay. Summer House premiere. I would like to start out by saying This is the show currently on the air that I feel elicits the most polarizing takes. Yeah, this premiere was honestly way more polarizing than I actually expected it to be. Like just reading the commentary online, everybody has a lot of opinions. 
Not to oversimplify it, because there are definitely nuances among these takes, but if I had to really try to break up the three major categories, it seems like there are, one, the people that think that Paige, Amanda, Sierra, et cetera, are the mean girls, people that think that Carl and Lindsay are the bad guys, and then the people that maybe fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I just think it really depends on perspective. I think there's a lot of layers to this situation and a lot of editing, obviously, that goes into it. but. It, it just surprised me, I guess, how split everybody is and sort of how like their perspectives on these people from so many seasons of knowing them have come into play now for this situation. And also how Carl and Lindsay's relationship, yes, it shook everybody up in a way just because it's like unexpected and adds a new dynamic, but it really has changed a lot of things, not in a way that I don't think anyone, especially Carl and Lindsay, were expecting it to. Okay. I am sorry, regardless of your feelings on them, when they walked into that house and the energy that it kind of created, it was a little bit of a jarring viewing experience. I think that's the word that you used when we were talking about it. And that really resonated with me because not even negative or positive necessarily, it was just so representative of how this is an entirely different show. Why has that not been the case when other people have gotten relationships? Something about the two of them, because they are such big personalities and such almost like rocks of the guy and the girl groups. I can't put my finger on it, but this is also the first time that we're really seeing them on camera. Like we saw glimpses last season. We saw glimpses on Winter House. Of course, we see them all over social media, but seeing them back in the Hamptons in their original element that we're used to seeing them, but now together and not just together, like they are not some subtle couple. They are 100%, 100% of the time which honestly is fine. It's just like processing it is, it's definitely, it, it's interesting. And even though we weren't physically in the house, I almost felt like the energy in the room and the air shift as soon as they got there. And I have to think that that's telling. Right. I mean, one of the elements that I don't think can be ignored in all of this is that for so long, no matter what changed, Kyle and Carl's friendship was one of the anchors of the show. And clearly there's some differences there for a lot of reasons. But what I was taken the most by was that one scene where it's the next morning, Kyle's in the kitchen, Carl and Lindsay on the couch, they're getting ready to go to Barry's, but you can feel Kyle is very uncomfortable. And I feel like it was almost transferred to the viewer because out of everything that has gone on in Summer House, Kyle's never uncomfortable. Like he feels so solid in his footing there. And all of a sudden with him feeling as though there was this energy that he didn't know what to do about, it made me feel that way. I, I agree. Like Kyle being uncomfortable is just a new phenomenon. I also feel like because I watch The Traders, I know Kyle so well and in such a different way. And honestly, it's bodes really well for him because he was great on that show and in such a different environment. But anyway, I digress. Kyle looking at Carl as though he doesn't even like know him as though he's literally a stranger was such an unsettling feeling for me because it just showed that he was feeling the exact same way that we all were. And this is Kyle who I'm assuming saw Carl once in a while, or at least was in touch with him. Like it's not like they haven't spoken or seen each other in months, definitely a lot less. But just watching him like try to process and take in like who are these people that I know so well was just, I'm sure something a lot of people can relate to when when their friends go through changes in their life and all of a sudden you're having the epitome that your relationship with this person will be different. But it just 
it really rocked me. Well, the other thing is, as we're watching this episode, we're learning about the shifting dynamics with Carl and Loverboy. And we know that in real time, he stepped away from Loverboy. He's no longer with the company. And that's very much brewing under the surface here. I'll say as like an overarching thought, and I am not someone that typically identifies as Team Lindsay, nor am I. It's unfair to entirely blame Lindsay on Carl maybe wanting to separate himself from Loverboy because it's just something that no longer fits in his lifestyle. You know, as someone who is trying to maintain a sober lifestyle, being that closely involved with alcohol on a daily basis, not only because of your work, but also because of the social engagements that come with that, it didn't work for him. And I feel that that's being glazed over a little bit and kind of unfairly put on Lindsay, where maybe some other things could be her, but that's not one of them. That's just him doing something that's you know, helping to maintain the life he's trying to lead. Well, that's what I was saying when I feel like there are so many layers to this because as you grow up, obviously you grow out of certain friendships or you have less things in common. Carl and Kyle's, I think, bonding point was their partying and how they, especially in the summer, would come together and drink a lot and be the life of the party. Clearly, Carl was going in a different direction. I think Kyle, I mean, even though it doesn't seem like it, is maybe quieting down a little bit. You know, he's married now. That has to change. Plus, being in a relationship, be it with Lindsay or with anybody else, also changes things. Your career goals, like there's so many things because they had so many crossovers in their life and every single point of connection had something changed within it that of course their relationship's going to be different. And I think Lindsay is a big personality and Lindsay being friends with Kyle and everybody else and you know a connection in the group and part of the group that people maybe have a problem with of course made things more difficult but it, it's not a Lindsay problem like you can't put Carl's issues and relationships on Lindsay yeah maybe they can assume or fill in the pieces of things that Lindsay might have influenced or the way that she behaves now being how he behaves but at the end of the day like he's a grown man he's in charge of his career decisions, his lifestyle decisions, his relationships and friendships that he holds on to, like it's not Lindsay's problem. Well, I just, in general, even though in this circumstance, I kind of understand what people mean, I can't get on board with like blaming the woman for aspects of a man that you don't like. I, do, I can't get into that. And I honestly don't even like it in the reverse. Everybody is their own person. The thing is, you know, it, let's take it away from Kyle and Amanda for a second, because that's the most intense of the spectrum in terms of the relationship. Let's go to Carl and Maya for a moment, which, yes, in the scheme of things is, I guess, less significant in that they've been friends for a shorter amount of time. But at least the way that it was described to us, I was much more aligned with Maya and what she was saying. And that, like, if I'm Lindsay, right, and this whole situation happened where she sees that Maya asked Carl if she wanted to smoke, and I know that he's been really trying to stay away from that for his own benefit. I understand being pissed. I don't understand presenting it in that way if she did. And I also don't understand turning it into something that makes it as though Maya has romantic intentions with Carl, which was just not the case. This really kind of broke my heart because I felt how upset and disappointed Maya was. And I think because Lindsay inserted herself and handled it pretty harshly, it also reflected on Carl. Like Lindsay is a big personality and she does, I think, get involved and the both of them, Carl and Lindsay, are involved in each other's shit a lot of the time. And Lindsay's definitely much like more vocal and loud when it comes to these issues. So of course, here she is getting involved in this. I, I didn't understand how it 
became like Maya was hitting up Carl because she had romantic feelings for him. Like that felt very bizarre and somehow lost in translation. And I didn't like how Carl shut her down. I really didn't like it. And I understand you have to prioritize your relationship or if that's what you want to do. But I just think he could have gone about it in a way that wasn't so almost cruel and like talking to Maya as though he did not care about her and never cared about her and doesn't care about her feelings or ever having even a friendly relationship. Why does it have to be so like cut and dry? It's not a yes or a no. Like you're still allowed to be friends, be friendly. You don't have to be best friends and you don't have to be complete strangers. He was very dismissive in that conversation. And I get, of course, he has to prioritize his relationship with Lindsay, but not in a way that needs to make Maya feel as though, one, her feelings are entirely unwarranted, but also that she's a little bit delusional for even thinking that. I mean, when Carl was on Watch What Happens, I, he was asked about it and he said something like, yeah, you know, I was surprised to hear her describe our friendship in that way because we were close, but we were not that close, which is just like such a slap in the face when last summer she was having a really hard time and she was actually paying you a compliment that you were one of the people that allowed her to feel comfortable to confide. And it's like, I, I hated that. I thought it was really off and not kind. Right. Like, why do you need to, again, pour salt in the wound? All she's saying is that she really liked you and enjoyed your company and you felt like an ally to her in the house, understanding like what she's been going through and just being there for her as a friend. Like, just take the compliment at the very least. I just didn't like that. I think Carl felt that he had to be so over the top harsh and like cut it off in order to make Lindsay feel satisfied. Right. Which like, let's go with that for a second and check ourselves. Are we doing the very thing we just said we don't want to do, which is like taking a guy and blaming his actions on the woman in his life? To me, that based on him and Lindsay's conversation, that was what she wanted him to kind of project. You know, I I, I don't know. That was the vibe that I really got. Yeah, but I think that that's much more like different and distinct than him being just not a good friend to Kyle. Like them blaming that entire situation and the whole like demise of their friendship on Lindsay isn't fair when there's other factors that go into it. This much more specific instance with Maya, I think Lindsay was a lot more involved in and I yeah. I have no choice to blame Lindsay, honestly. Like the way no. even what she was texting Maya was kind of mean and bizarre and like it just, it felt so off. I also know there's a little bit of like he said, she said, because if you ask Lindsay about it on Watch What Happens, she says that the way Maya recalled it is really not what took place. But if we want to use history as an indicator, we know that in the past, Lindsay blows up at people. She goes really below the belt. And then it's expected to just be smoothed over because that's just Lindsay. And I I don't know how down everyone is for that. I mean, I felt that when Maya was talking about it, and yeah, was she riled up maybe a little bit by Paige and Amanda who clearly can't stand Lindsay? Absolutely. But like she was very hurt and she was voicing that honestly. I mean, Maya is sitting there literally crying like, I care for you. And Carl's like, sorry, my priority is my relationship. I, it was I, just like, that's not the Carl we know either. Right. But also the two are not mutually exclusive is what I wanted right. to say to him. Like, like You don't need to express loyalty in a way where you then become dismissive of other people's sadness. And that's, I don't know, the, the, the whole thing just wasn't it. Wait, what'd you think about the new people? I loved them. I think we're going to have a really good season with them. I thought they were good additions. I mean, I think that Chris is a stronger contender than Alex was, really into Gabby's energy, 
jury's still out on on Sam, but I I have to give her the benefit of the doubt that like she was just a little bit nervous because you can tell she watches the show. Right. That's such a big part of it. But I'm I'm excited about this lineup. I think it's going to be really good. And by the way, like Sierra and Danielle aren't even there yet. Okay. No, we have to talk about Danielle immediately. I'm so scared. Lindsay on Watch What Happens Live honestly was seemingly like kind of open, like hopefully we make up by our wedding. I just don't think that's going to happen. The way shit's been going down, no way. I would be really shocked if that were to take place. I'm not saying Danielle wouldn't be at the wedding. From what Carl and Lindsay said, the wedding is maybe going to be in the fall. So they have a little bit of time to smooth it over enough for her Danielle to be present. But I I don't know. But from what I was getting on Watch What Happens, I feel like Lindsay's not fully understanding the extent of Danielle's hurt. I know. And honestly, even though we don't know exactly what like started the fight and what the core of the fight is – I just know that it's definitely going to be something that almost mirrors what's going on with Kyle and Carl and just Lindsay changing and being different, maybe respect levels. Like I just, my prediction is that. And I think Lindsay is probably looking at it more as like one small thing that they can move past versus like fundamental differences and changes in their relationship that can't just be healed. It it feels like, it, we may be past the point of healing. I mean, again, I don't know, but seeing the social media stuff at the same time as the show is airing, there's some major misalignment. And also Danielle and Robert aren't together anymore. Okay. So you know how when Andy was asking about it and Lindsay said, yeah, you know, I understand that Danielle's going through some things personally and we're planning a wedding and people felt that that was really shady. I don't didn't think that it was meant as intentionally shady. I just think that that was the best way she knew how to say it. But you know, people think that that's kind of what she was alluding to, the post-Robert breakup. Lindsay, like, doesn't say things like that with malintent. That's just sort of how she feels. And both of them have this feeling of, like, we're in the happiest time of our life. Everyone should be happy and rallying around us. And it's like, yeah, of course, everyone could be happy for you, but that doesn't put aside their own things going on in their life. Like, everyone's not dropping their own shit just because you two are, like, in a fairy tale. I feel like the way that the rest of the cast feels is they do want happiness for both individual parties. And if they're both achieving that, of course, they celebrate that. They just really wish it wasn't together. Because I think Lindsay and Carl feel as though they bring out the best of one another. And what I'm getting from the rest of the cast is that their perception is they potentially bring out the worst in one another, which is like the absolute weirdest spot to be in as a friend or even an acquaintance because you don't want to come across like a hater. And if you look at these two people that are seemingly at the best time in their lives, you want to be able to embrace that. Yet also you so dislike the version of themselves that they are when they're with one another. Where does that leave you? you there's no, It's a zero win situation, which is why what typically happens in these situations is if there's not a blow up fight, just distance gets created because that's the only way the other parties know how to navigate it. And it's like, it's so uncomfortable when you're all living in a house together, yet there's that distance. I think like what they all want to say, but obviously can't is like Lindsay and Carl are kind of just fucking annoying and we're just over it, but they can't, they can't just like say that. But I think that that's how they feel. I think that's exactly how they feel. And no one's going to come right out and say it. But if you read between the lines, that's what everyone's feeling. Right. And like the way that I feel when I saw them come in, which again, who the fuck are we? 
I still can't fully see it. Like I cannot wrap my head around this couple. Can can you like can you guys? I, I can't. Like I just still like I don't know. I'm not all in on them. I'm so happy for them. I think this is like great happily ever after, best friends to lovers, and there's no better rom-com story, but I don't know. Like I still watch them and it doesn't it doesn't hit for me. But that's okay. It's not not my circus, not my monkeys. Right. It doesn't have to hit for us. Who the fuck are we? Right. Right. Wait, the the sleeping arrangement situation. No, is... I'm not. I'm no, 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 no. I am not down for two beds, four girls in one big room. That's like basically a basement living room. I'm sorry. That is not happening for me. First of all, huge, too hot to handle energy. Huge. Yeah. I, I My thing is like these zoning laws have existed for forever. Why are they all of a sudden now an issue, which I know, you know, some people have the theory that this was created almost as a way to kind of naturally stir up more tension. I don't think that that's the case. I kind of feel like they just had to do their best with a rather unfortunate situation, but like not ideal. No, I think production walked in the weekend before that they were starting and putting all the lights up and the Southampton board of whatever said, oh, sorry, we had to close up that second bedroom. They're like, uh, fuck, had to get another queen bed in there and just make do and said, well, the more drama, the merrier. Right. (laughs) That's exactly what happened. I'm just telling you, though, if I went into that house expecting the setup is normal and that's what I get, I I don't think I'd be so pleased. Oh, no, I'd be on the next jitney out of there. (laughs) I know you would be. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to see. Do I think this premiere was as strong as the Vanderpump premiere? Absolutely not. Do I have very high hopes for the season? Absolutely. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. 
And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. I'd like to start this Vanderpump section with a tweet I saw from at Munster Shoes that said, Andy must have hired scientists to make Lala and James in a lab because there's no one more perfect for reality TV than them. And I could not agree with something more. So true. They are honestly reality TV gold. And also a lot of people were saying this this week, like their chemistry with the two of them together, they (laughs) might be soulmates. No, that's actually my worst nightmare. <laughs> like, in, Why? Like, I mean, it's my best and my worst. Obviously, the content we would get would be remarkable. But for Lala's sake, I would say that's maybe worst case scenario. Yeah, no, she needs someone like very simple and not problematic after what she's been going through. Like she's had done enough for a lifetime. I go back and forth with it because on one hand, I think that she needs to be with someone so removed from any sort of fame, reality TV, Hollywood, you know, really someone that has a, let's say, job in finance that maybe is a little bit fame adjacent, but not remotely what she's used to. At the same time, I could totally see her dating a real celebrity and leaning into that life seamlessly. So I go back and forth on what I think is more ideal for her. Maybe she should just date 50 Cent. Could you imagine? Honestly, yeah, I could. I, I honestly could too. <laughs> Chelsea Handler raves about him, says it's the best ex she has. Mm-hmm. What a full circle moment that would be. What an <laughs> what an absolute fuck you to Randall. I also have to say, Lala on Watch What Happens Live was like just amazing banter with Andy and really, you know, she's never shy about her feelings, but just so straight up about everything. And she also watches every single Housewives franchise, which I just think is so important, especially like because Rihanna does. (laughs) And she gave it a shout out in British Vogue this week, which is very important to me. And what we got from that Watch What Happens After show is Andy agreeing that he fully thinks it was Jen Shaw responsible for Heather's black eye. Yeah. I know we always talk about this and we need to like have a word for it to trademark or something, but Andy's aura when he's talking to like the people in the tier of Vanderpump Southern Charm shows, he's so much more chill, relaxed, like just kikiing with a friend. So he was sitting with Katie and Lala who like are diehard Salt Lake City fans and he's like, yeah, I think that too. Like honestly, yeah, like with the scratches and the like he he can feel free to give his opinions and sort of chat, especially since it was the after show and I just I loved that energy. Like honestly, I want a Housewives recap podcast with Lala, Andy and Katie Maloney. Yeah, or really any of the castmates from that tier with Andy. It's a totally different Andy than we ever see. Okay, getting into this episode. I mean, first of all, Raquel going up to Peter <laughs> with like the least amount of tact I have ever seen, just straight up. By the way, I want to cut this off before it even starts. And she's like, totally right. It's definitely the move was hilarious. Well, we have to backtrack to their absolute roller coaster, as I believe Gibson Johns put it, of a lunch, which started out with Peter wearing a new outfit, ordering a bottle of rosé, then Raquel crying because she phased out of pageants because of Trump, and then it somehow <laughs> circling back to her midlife crisis. And this show is, you can't write this. 
No, you can't write this. It is such good television. I mean, I think Peter also probably realizes this was something that was necessary to end before it even really begun. Although the way she went about it was just comical. Yeah. I I don't think it was like ever actually going to be a real thing. I mean, I think Peter thought Raquel was beautiful and had a crush on her and wanted to take her out, see what the deal was. The one real takeaway from the Raquel and Peter situation is for the first time we have James actually acknowledging that he was a little bothered by it, you know, when he's in that lunch with Allie, whereas we were saying last week in the conversation with Raquel, he's doing everything in his power to act as though he could not be less phased. And finally, he says to Allie, yeah, I think it's a little weird. And then he, of course, has to take some shots at Peter to help feed his ego because it's a little bit burnt from the whole thing. Finally, I, I felt you know validated in that moment. Yeah, and I felt validated too when... Raquel was willing to admit to herself, like, I'm still hung up on that relationship and I still have like a lot of feelings, which like, of course you do. Rightfully so. You were literally engaged to this person and now you're not. Yeah. And in any normal circumstance that isn't LA and isn't filming a reality show, you wouldn't be forced to not only see this person, but be with them while they're publicly interacting with their new girlfriend. Like, right. the, the, the funny thing is that what we get content-wise from the situations these people are put in is, of course, unbelievable. But it's also like deeply traumatizing for them probably because any normal relationship would not have their breakup phase go down in this way. No, of course not. And also having to like be forced to not only interact or see your ex-fiance with his new girlfriend, but literally like film a show with her. Yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's a lot. It's something. Wait, I I need to talk about the moment in the bar where Katie and Schwartz are sitting down together. Yes, yes. Okay. What I want wait, what I want to say is my overall like statement on Katie and Schwartz is the restaurant is just a small representation of everything that has gone on in their relationship. It almost like has nothing to do with the restaurant. Like it actually if anything, for the first time, he was like getting his ass up and working, as Kim Kardashian once said, which is all Katie ever wanted was for him to have like a vision and a dream and a goal. And he finally did that. And of course, he fucked it up in his Schwartz way. But I, I don't think blaming this restaurant on the demise of their marriage is right. I think it's more just sort of like a symbol of everything that's ever gone wrong between the two of them and also everything that goes wrong with everything in Schwartz's life. Well, I mean, when you're sitting there watching them having this conversation, even though you were so intimately aware of their relationship and kind of involved in it as a viewer, you can't believe these were two people that were ever married. The way they handle situations is so fundamentally different. And I think what grew to Katie's just exhaustion of Schwartz's approach to life. You know, yeah. you can see it. it's like if I had to use the word to describe Katie through all of this, I think she's maybe a little bit numb, but I also think it's just like deep fatigue with the dysfunction. She yes. didn't want that anymore. That's not how she wanted. She she wanted to feel heard. She wanted to feel inspired by her partner. And like it was just the same shit over and over again. And I think they're both really sad because there is so much love there, but it was so clearly not right because like – and we said this last week. You can't change a person. This is how he is and this is how she is and it's never going to be that seamless union. I think honestly viewers have a similar experience to Katie. Obviously, we weren't married to Schwartz, but 
just always holding on to this potential and this like waiting for him to break through. Because I always say this, I mean, he's like maybe missing a few brain cells, but like he has a lot, like he's a good person. He's sweet. He means well. He, he does cute things. And it's like, you you almost are waiting for him to like take that next step of like doing the right thing and making an effort and not fucking up. Like you sit him down and you're like, okay, don't fuck this up. Like here are all the tools and he just manages to fuck it up. And I think Katie was always waiting for him to get to the point where he didn't fuck things up and that was just never going to happen. Like he was always going to operate at 95% and that 5% was never going to come through and Katie couldn't hold her breath any longer. No, she couldn't. And thank God that she didn't because at a certain point, you know, you then start to really suffer as the person on the receiving end of that. Like chronic disappointment does something to a person. Yes. And I think literally for all the years they've been together, she's just been waiting and then disappointed in a continuous pattern through everything they've done, big and small. And like that must be a lot. Yeah. Wait. Also, the the Sheena aspect of it, which I know we didn't really get to see and we kind of lean into next week, I loved getting to see the ins and the outs of really how this all crumbled and like the inception of it. Like her first asking him, come on the podcast. We see her tease the Raquel thing and just, you know, what that eventually turns into. Yeah. Sheena being a little pot stir is like nothing new. And of course, of course, it's for her own podcast to like get views and, you know, get the exclusive. But yeah, I just remember it going down in real time. So you're right. To see it behind the scenes is like incredible. And then, of course, it turns into Katie being mad at Sheena and also Katie just having so much disdain for Raquel, even up until now in this moment. Like on Watch What Happens last night, she was saying, I stay as far away from her as possible. Oh, for sure. You know, when they do the flashbacks, and I think it was in the segment when Lala was talking to Lisa and you just see the way that various people over the years have spoken about Lala and her relationship with Randall. And it takes you to that one flashback from so long ago between Katie and Lala where, you know, I think Katie calls her a whore or something. And I was thinking to myself, the progression of their relationship is profound in that like, they're not show friends. They're not fair weather friends. Katie and Lala have like a very legitimate friendship in a way that I don't know if I would have predicted that happening back in the day, you know? No, I I never would have. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I mean, I think they definitely still have their issues because they just are very different people, but they're able to get through it and they both are willing to like fight it out, which is clearly very important to have as a quality in each other as friends. Well, they respect each other's characters in a way that they don't respect a Raquel or a Sheena, you know? Yeah. No, they they just like don't have that much respect for Raquel and Sheena. The conversation that Lala had with Lisa, I get where Lisa was coming from. Of course, she feels very maternal towards Lala. She wants the best for her. But what a way to kick someone while they're down. I did not like how this conversation with Lisa and Lala went down. I'm going to be honest. And I don't think Lisa watching it back would think she handled it well either. I think it was very blaming towards Lala. And I think for Lala, like she says, it dug up a lot of feelings that she had you know, in the beginning of her relationship with Randall, which by the way, like everybody, when Lala was first on Vanderpump Rules, like we just spoke about that flashback to Katie, didn't take Lala seriously. She came in really strong. She was really playing up her character. She was a lot more immature. So now I think it it hurts her and she looks back and is like, I don't want to be 
demoted back to that place. And Lisa, I think, was really patronizing her in that way. Yeah, I just felt that the way that Lisa was handling it, the only possible outcome was to make Lala feel really shitty about herself, which is just not, I think, the reaction you want to elicit from a person who's in the middle of a crisis. And I I know she's looking at it from a bird's eye view and now in retrospect, but it wasn't helpful. It was not additive. I don't know. It, it felt very counterproductive and a little bit off-brand for Lisa because, yes, she can be tough, but I also think that in the moment she really knows what these people need. And it was just like not what Lala needed. No. And I think it was also just Lisa literally not being able to believe like all the shit that's coming out. And Lala really was a victim of like being completely blindsided by all of it. It's, it's almost unbelievable. Mm. Whereas Lala, I think wanted to be acknowledged as like a smart, sophisticated woman who was really played and like that this was all some scheme and not made to feel like she was like this young, dumb girl that Lisa was looking down on. And I think she really felt that way. And like, she doesn't like that. You know, she feels like she's graduated out of the like waitress at Sir young girl who Lisa is treating like her, you know, daughter versus like a friend to Lisa. And I think she felt feels like she graduated to that. And in this moment, it was sort of back where they started. Right. And also, you know, Lala has come a long way in terms of the public perception of her and the way that she's viewed. And I think her biggest fear and something she even acknowledged in her confessional is the way she knows people are viewing her for this situation. And so for Lisa, the person who she potentially cares the most about their view of her to reinforce the very thing she's terrified of happening, it's a very unsettling feeling. And and I agree with you. If Lisa were to watch this back, she would not be thrilled with the way she handled it. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess we'll see how that progresses, but of course, now they're all he- there for her so much. I also think this was really early on when like every minute of every day, someone had a new story and it was like, Lala was like with this person, you know, you never saw anything. I think everyone just wanted to get as much information as they possibly could. Well, the example she gave of Randall bringing her to the therapist to kind of help prove his side of things was just one window into the craziness that was happening there. No, that was crazy. And honestly, as sad as I feel for her having to go through all this, like I could listen to her talk about that shit all day long. All day and never get sick of it. (laughs) The last thing I'll say, nothing, nothing in this world gives me more anxiety than Schwartz and Sandy's. The decor, the finances, the hiring, the running of the business. I mean, even hearing Greg, like the manager, talk to Lisa, I I get absolute hives. (laughs) <laughs> the couch that they had to replace from Craigslist because they needed to get it from Craigslist almost out of principle. And you know, the, the, the funniest part about it or the time when you can really sit back and not get so frustrated because you just have to laugh is when Sandoval and Ariana are sitting on the couch and he says, yeah, you know, we're going to do it our way. We're going to fuck it up a time or two and then finally get it right. And somehow there's something less frustrating about watching a person's dysfunction when they acknowledge that this is just the way they do things. It's significantly more annoying to watch someone operate and think that they're doing it in the most efficient way. One thing about Sandoval and Schwartz, they've never claimed to be efficient. 
I know, but like they literally put Schwartz put his house on the line for this. Like, and here they are. I'm watching Sandoval check out at this furniture store for a couch that's like four grand, another green sofa that serves the exact same purpose just because it fits his vibe better. And when they play the montage, like we're going to people swinging from the ceilings and lights and visuals and two stories and smoke. I, I just, it literally sends my blood pressure rise. My favorite is the flashback when Sandoval is expressing his concern about the bar to Lisa. And she's like, he has built more bars than you've had warm meals. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, the ice is going to be in the middle, right? It's like, you're just talking to hear your own voice now. Right. Like, let's leave it to the pros here. But, you know, at, to Lisa's point when she was talking to Greg, it's true. Their skill set is not in the logistics of it. Their skill set is really in bringing the energy and bringing the fun and the publicity. And perhaps that's what they should just lean more into because the other stuff just feels so draining, not only financially, but also emotionally and mentally. Correct. So that's Tom Tom. Leave it to the professionals to do all the behind the scenes work. Let them be the faces. Come up with a few cocktails and call it a day. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. There are a few things I love more than an organic and well-timed reference to last season. And when they're having the whole moment where Lisa's like, I wish these were my problems. And Nicole's like, right, like when your house was tacky, which was such a huge source of contention last season. And now they're able to bring it up in a lighthearted way. That fills me up. 
absolutely fucking hilarious. 10 out of 10 no notes. This episode was so funny. Like, it was so intense in so many moments, but some of the moments, like, literally when Adriana's walking with the tiki torch as her crutch because she hurt her foot (laughs) and someone goes, she looks like Jesus. Like, everything is funny. No one does it like them. And honestly, Kiki is the motherfucking star of the show. I don't understand how she's not a full-time housewife. I really think it's going in the direction that she would be next year. No, she needs to be like the center housewife. She's excellent. Such perfect lines, such great timing. Adds so much levity yet also moments of seriousness. She's so far from what we've seen, perfect balance of the way to do it. And she's so open. Like all of a sudden she's talking about cheating. I'm like, tell me more. I want to know more. Like give give me some minutes of Kiki. We don't know enough about her backstory, you know, and think about how connected we feel to her even knowing so little. Exactly. So imagine if we got the whole scoop. I think the real core of the issue between Adriana and Alexia, if you had to choose one thing, is that Alexia and Marisol are just significantly less invested in pursuing a friendship with Adriana. Like Adriana is understandably sad about the deterioration of their relationship, but she cares more than they care. So it's always going to be a mismatched argument. I just think Adriana has come to a point where she's realizing that she's lost maybe a lot of friends or she's feeling lonely at this point in her life. She wants to get back to where she was and sort of feels left out in their friendship when at a point in time, she really was a part of it. Like like she said, she was there for big moments. They were bridesmaids in her wedding. Like she is sort of reflecting on how they got there. But she's shooting herself in the foot, no pun intended, while she does it. Because here you are trying to get not just like back in their lives, but even in their good graces, and you're insulting them. You're talking about Marisol's ex and relaying how he said he never loved her and how he was talking to her. You're making that fucking terrible comment about Frankie in the accident like you are being so like cunning and sharp with them when all you want is to have this like loving and caring relationship and you say you don't recognize them well clearly they don't recognize you when you go and pull this kind of shit Yeah. And what's frustrating to watch is that at times it seems like they're getting somewhere. I remember saying last week, it was annoying when Marisol walks in in the middle of what looked like it was about to be potentially an impactful conversation, but something always goes awry and that's not a coincidence. And I don't think either of them are totally in the right by any means. But if we want to give the one example of the comment she brought up regarding Marisol's ex, like it's not only that she was bringing it up in this way at this time, but it was also you should not be receiving any accolades for not engaging with your friend's ex. Like, I I never understand when people bring these things up as a way to prove their friendship, as though it's not just a natural expectation when you're even remotely friends with a person. Well, I think she was just doing it to prove that, like, even though they weren't super close at that time, she still cared about her enough to do something like that. But it didn't need to go farther than that. She could have just used it as an anecdote of, like, I love you even when we haven't been close. I've cared about you. Like, even though we weren't, you know, on good terms, like, I still would avoid your ex. I would never, like, I I love you like a sister. Like, whatever. She could have made the point so much better and just used that as, like, a tiny bullet. Whereas she took it, ran with it, made it like she was just the best friend in the world for doing that, and spun it and told her hurtful things that he said about Marisol. Like, that's not going to make her feel better. 
No, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I disagree with the way that Adriana handles many situations, but I do have a part of me that really feels for her because I believe she's experiencing a sadness about this loss of relationship that Alexi and Marisol aren't. And probably what that comes down to, and Adriana kind of alluded to this, is that at least currently their lives are more full in other ways. And I think that Adriana is feeling a little bit stuck at where she's at. So maybe she's zoning in more on this loss in a way that they're not. And it, it like, it's sad. It's sad when, when you're trying to relive memories or get back in touch with that closeness. And like the other party just isn't as interested in doing it. Like, I don't think that Alexia and Marisol want an issue with her, but I think they don't care either way. They're relatively indifferent. And like, that's the disconnect, or at least to me. What makes me sad and also I think speaks volumes is that Adriana had such a close and special relationship with Mama Elsa that I would think Marisol would be more precious about holding on to some sort of relationship with Adriana because of that connection that she had with her mother. And, you know, she cares about her mother so deeply and more than anything in this world. But I'm not saying that that's a reason that you need to stay friends with someone, but I don't know. I just feel like that that would come into play and sort of that sentimental idea would, you know, at least support her and allow her to like want to be close in some way. But I don't even think that that guides her. I think she genuinely doesn't like or feel like she doesn't know Adriana enough anymore to care. I think that they're totally turned off to the idea of Adriana. That's really what it is. And honestly – if I was watching the show back as Adriana, I would probably be hurt by the, just the general disregard for my feelings that the entire cast, with the exception of Julia, has. Which, like, you know, if 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 one person is having an issue with everyone, most things point to them being the issue. So I'm not saying that she's perfect. I'm by no means any sort of an Adriana apologist. I just kind of feel bad for her. Like, there's a reason that she's behaving in the way that she's behaving. Clearly, some other things are going on. I thought the whole thing with Julia and that issue is so ridiculous. Like, was it Nicole who said Julia? Julia who, like, spends her life taking care of animals? And (laughs) I just feel like choose your battles, right? Like, I understand if you felt a little bit of an energy, you didn't like the whole idea of it. Julia is not putting witchcraft on you. And let's, let's get to some realer accusations. I love when they found out that it wasn't actually at like the type of shop that they were so nervous that the stones were from. Like it was literally from a gift shop or something. And they're like, well, still, well, still. It's like, no, literally Julia just wanted to get you a nice gift and you have turned it into this like, Julia wants to put a spell on me for my whole life. I knew things have been feeling off. (laughs) But like POV, you're Julia. (laughs) You go to get these healing crystals thinking it's really going to do something. And all of a sudden you're the one accused of like having voodoo dolls. That is like, she's not what she at all expected when she walked into that crystal shop that day. And you know that she spent so much time picking out like the words and the meanings of each one specifically for the girls and thought like, this will be so sweet. It'll go over so well, like show everyone I'm thinking of them and that no matter what we go through, I like I have, you know, hope and love for them. And it's like, it really backfired. You can't even, you can't even do anything nice around here. You can't even get a stone these days. Yeah, I know. God. By the way, all respect to Lisa for showing up. Yes, it was temporary. And yes, she has to stand her ground in that home as not to have Lenny be able to, you know, legally kick her out or whatever she was saying. But she's going to come for a short time, but a good time. No, if Lisa Hogsdown is going to do one thing, it's 
show up, film, wear a sick neon outfit with her boobs out, and go home to her kids to take them to Target. And do not forget, also wear a Birkin that matches her outfit perfectly. Of course, please. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Do you know how funny it is for Jacqueline, Larita, and Teresa to meet up for a five-hour lunch and in their post recapping the lunch for one of Jacqueline's lines to be, no, our friendship rekindling has nothing to do with our mutual disdain for Melissa. <laughs> That is so so unintentionally hilarious because she's trying to say like, no, it has nothing to do with that. But of course she has to put it in there. This whole lunch to me was the most fascinating thing. I mean, for, I was expecting, okay, maybe we would get some content, but Louis also to do a whole post with Chris Larita and, you know, it to be such a topic of conversation on watch what happens. Like it's almost the kind of thing where if you didn't know that Jacqueline was moving, you would think maybe she's coming back to Jersey and this is part of Teresa building up her alliances. And also through their comments and captions, understanding like where they see this friendship going. Like Jacqueline writes, Chris and I are looking forward to creating many new happy memories with you and Teresa in the future. And then she also wrote in hers, hashtag new beginnings for real this time. Lucy and Ethel are back and living our best lives. Life is good. Just so much insight into their conversations. Like they knew what we were all looking for. Yes. And for some reason, the Teresa and Dina relationship and where they stand is always something that I am interested in. Like just a safe assumption at any given day, I'm thinking about that. And so on Watch What Happens, when Andy straight up asks her, you know, people also want to know, does this friendship have anything to do with your falling out with Dina? And she says, no, not at all. You know, Dina and I are fine. We just spoke. I still think something a little bit weird went on with them, but maybe they've mended it. No, something is definitely off. She wasn't super convincing in that answer. She's like, no, we're fine. We just texted today. But Dina was your literal soulmate, best friend, sister, and she didn't come to your wedding. That is weird to me. There's got to be something more to that. There has to be, or at least there was, and maybe they've worked through it. But there is no way that everything was totally copacetic there. No, definitely not. I mean, in terms of this week's episode, I feel like one of our biggest takeaways from the premiere, specifically when it came to the scene between Margaret and Teresa at Teresa's house, is that all of these changes Teresa had spoken about making in her life 
she clearly has made and that this feels like a much more evolved version of Teresa. And I kind of felt like that was on display even into this week and on Watch What Happens. Like, I kind of believe her for maybe the first time ever when she says that she's just not that bothered. Yeah, I guess I feel like she's actually let it go in a way where she almost doesn't care about what she says about Melissa and Joe. She's really released a lot of that anger and hurt. And I think a lot of it has to do with, yes, Louie, but also just like the changes and happiness in her life. And I think she feels so much less pressure to make this relationship work and do it for the kids and for her parents and like maybe coming around to the idea that maybe it's better for everybody if we just don't and we've exhausted all of our options. And I honestly feel, I know that the probably the general consensus among viewers is how sad this is and how people want to see them back together. But the same way we say a lot with friendships on various shows of like, you guys just don't like each other and maybe it's better to call it a day instead of continually trying to make it work and knowing that it's ultimately doomed. Like maybe as sad as it is, that's just the approach. And I finally feel for the first time, honestly, ever that both parties are leaning into that energy a little bit more, which like in real life may be the move. If we want to talk about it from a production angle, there's going to have to be some reorganization of the show because still so much of it is focused around that. Whereas if they really decided, fuck this, we're not even going to try, the whole basis of the show would have to change. Yeah. I think even for Melissa, it's like her and Joe, their entire plot right now is working things out with Teresa. And you know, for a while, I was really a big cheerleader of that. I wanted them more than anything to work things out. And honestly, I still do. It's sad that they won't be able to. But it, it's like at a certain point, it's too frustrating, even as viewers, for that to be all we're tuning in to see every week, especially when the way Housewives work is like we know like how this ends. We know that in a couple of months on the show, when the wedding comes around, you guys aren't even there because the issues come to a head and we know where you are in real life. So it's just, it's like, it's not hitting to watch it the same way. Like I don't feel that same passion. I almost just feel defeated. Yes. And, uh, you know, Teresa on her podcast this last week was saying, listen, I gave birth on the show. I went to jail on the show. I lost my parents on the show. You know, we are not the same basically, which honestly, that's the type of content I eat up. Like, tell me how you really feel. Let's let's actually talk about some of the angles that the viewers talk about. But that's not something she can necessarily say in her confessional, right? It's like that fourth wall break that she's allowed to do when she's talking about it on a podcast. But some of the issues are surrounded with that. And they bring it up a little bit on the show, but not in that same way. Yeah, that's also what makes this really hard is like, we now have all of these other outlets where Melissa and Teresa both have their own podcast, plus we have social media. I mean, I think we spoke a lot about this last week, too, of how having all of these other you know, outlets has changed the dynamics of Housewives and like how it will affect the future of the show. And I see that a lot with this because they are able to give us more information in more real time on their own platform, less edited, in their own words. And we've been getting that for months and months. So now when I watch Housewives, it's like a pared down version of that that already feels like old news. And that's a problem. It's a problem specifically when it comes to Melissa and Teresa because 
and this is meant with no shade toward Melissa, so much of her content really is Teresa dominated. You know, like she really talks about it at nauseum. I I was yes. blown away when I listened. Like the few times that I've listened, and I actually like Melissa, I was taken aback just at how focused on that it was. Yeah, because of course it's interesting and we want to know and we want to hear things that you don't mention on the show or what's going on in real time. But like if it's exhausting for you, it becomes exhausting for us. Yeah, yeah. The other thing with this whole plot line of Jen and Teresa meeting with one of Marge's former friends and them having this secret piece of information that they're not saying but kind of alluding to, this is where the balance of like off-camera stuff becoming on-camera main plots gets a little bit messy because I'm never going to feel what you want me to feel when I didn't see what that meeting was. Yeah. And also this feels very contrived to me. Like, again, this goes back to like the women playing producers and stirring up this meeting and this secret that they know is going to be frustrating for us to watch on camera and be dying to know what it is. It's like, I don't know. It feels fake and very forced. But that's what I was telling you. Like I said it last week and I I mean this (laughs) with nothing but pure hope in my heart this season of Jersey isn't hitting as past seasons have I, for me at least. Yeah. And I think having three new women was very important and has helped a lot. I love Danielle. I think her hosting this mutts party, like solidified her with star material. I think Jen Fessler is a hoot. I'm sort of torn on Rachel because I think she has that quality that we are very hypersensitive to, which is, like the studied housewife expert kind of girl who you could tell has watched seasons and seasons of the show is all up on social media and knows like how to play the game, how to be toxic drama, but cool, interesting, like really trying to put it on and not just naturally like there yet. So, I mean, look, it's only two episodes. It's like, just my initial reaction, but I just feel like I know everything there is to know about the women that we've seen before that when I get a taste of the new ones or a dynamic with the new ones, it actually is really invigorating. Well, and also this was really the time more than ever to start to bring in new women because if the situation with Melissa and Teresa goes in the way that it looks like it's going, which turns into pure indifference and really no longer conversation about a potential reconciliation, they're going to need new storylines. Like for so long, the show has been able to survive off of that being the main issue and everything else kind of paling in comparison. We're we're entering territory where it's no longer going to cut it. So we need to start getting to know these women because the only way we're going to care about their feuds is if we feel connected to them. And I, I agree with you. I think for one, Danielle is someone that give me a few more episodes and I'm in. Jersey has sort of survived on the back of family dynamics and they, the Loritas always had like a, they always had enough family that there was always going to be something. And then it also like, you know, got woven in with the Gorgas and with Teresa and Joe and everything. But now like what happens when the drama literally dries out with the family, you know, that's always been the formula of like, well, family drama never dries out, but literally I think, with Joe and Teresa and Melissa, it's like come to a halt. Yeah, it's really come to a halt. And you see that. I mean, on Watch What Happens with Louie and, and Teresa, like even just the way they were answering those questions was, it, it, I don't know. Zero it felt, fucks anymore. 
zero fucks anymore. It felt it felt different. It really did feel different than it ever has. Yeah. And I think some of that is honestly you know that Teresa has changed because if you look at it Melissa and Joe like haven't really. I feel that they're very much the same and Teresa has changed I think in a positive way from what we've seen. So she's probably just willing to engage in a different way and they're also exhausted. Wait, you know what we didn't even talk about how Ramona and the invite fuck up was like present oh on the show. Oh my god. I mean if I had a nickel for every time I've heard this story at this point, but it making the show and Ramona's literal Instagram story with a name tag saying Ramona Singer on the bottom and her exposing the invitation like I just can't you know I cannot you know I know we talked about this a little bit last week but watching this new side of Dolores emerge is so satisfying as a viewer because I would say Dolores is so consistent right like it is one of her strongest qualities the way she is with anyone is the way she is with everyone Yet all of a sudden we are now seeing her be away with someone that she's not with anyone else. And I I can't get over how shocked I feel she is with herself. Like it's not just us. It's that you are watching her be in disbelief that she has this inside of her. I know. I, and I think it translates into like a lot of different parts of her life. Like we're definitely seeing a little bit of like a softer, just shifted different version of Dolores. Like I always thought I could expect exactly how she would react or what she would say. And I'm feeling like, okay, Dolores, show me what you got. Yeah, I'm up for it. You know how I feel about Dolores. Like at the end of, of the course. day, yeah, I adore her. I feel, listen, is Jen a great housewife? Absolutely. She knows how to play the game. She gives us a lot. I think she's maybe getting a little bit too producer-minded or has social media in her head and that I feel some of her words are said with the goal of becoming a GIF or, or the goal of becoming a soundbite. Yes, for sure. It's like she reads what the fan accounts want. She knows what's going to make her like viral and iconic and like hilarious. And she really feeds into it. And I almost like she's funny enough on her own and like ridiculous enough. And her kids are hilarious that I wish she would just be, you know, and, and didn't need to like try so hard. Oh, when uh, Olivia's like, you mean this nose that I actually have naturally? Yeah, I'm amazing. Like, she learned that humor from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, no, it was so great. I'm trying to think anything else from this episode that you wanted to mention. No, I think we're getting into it. You know, I think we're just like establishing that group dynamic. And I don't know. I, I'm, I had fun watching all the episodes this week. I really did. Like, none of them were a chore to me, and they all just. God, I fucking love Bravo. Emma watching Teresa and Louie on Watch What Happens was an experience. <laughs> like, I've never... She was like, I had the worst day, and this is literally bringing me back to life. I'm so happy. I love Bravo so much. I love our job. I love you. I can't wait to talk about it. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I just can't imagine something that brings a person more joy than Andy quizzing Teresa on whether or not she knows what cunnilingus means. Like, that <laughs> and when she spelled is- napalm, she spelled fucking <laughs> napalm. I, that was pure heaven to me with the, the teabagging and then the element of Louie knowing whether or not she's going to know it, which maybe translates into like what they do behind the scenes. Oh, fucking pure gold in heaven. But also Andy was like trying to have them answer questions at the same time and they just like could not figure it out. Wait, hold on. I'm, I want to see if Lauren Manzo has commented on the napalm situation. I would love <laughs> a quote from her. Okay. Well, anything else you would like to mention? I think that's it for this week. Okay, well, 
we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we'll see you next week. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just wanna know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.